0: The CNBC app. Global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected. Stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box. This Wednesday morning, these are your headlines. A change in tone from Mr. Trump. The U.S. president warns the COVID crisis will deepen as America reports more than 1,000 deaths in one day for the first time in over a month. Some areas of our country are doing very well, others are doing less well. It will probably, unfortunately, get worse before it gets better. US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo urges the world to stand up to China as the Department of Justice says Chinese hackers sought to steal vaccine research and a separate report accuses Beijing of
1: digital authoritarianism. We hope we can um, build out a coalition that understands this threat and will work collectively to convince the Chinese Communist Party it's not in their best interest to engage in this kind of behavior.
0: U.S. stocks retreat uh, from their highs after the Nasdaq hits another all-time high, whilst precious metals rally with silver reaching a level not seen since 2014. And shares in Snap fall sharply in after-hours trading as the social media group sees losses mount and user growth slow. With the CFO admitting that the boon from global lockdowns has waned. Right, as we've said to you, it's a lighter economic week, but it is a very busy data week on both sides of the Atlantic. Shares in ABB. What do you think they are year to date? Bearing in mind, it's all about automation, it's about systems, it's about robotics. They're actually flat as a pancake year to date. They're down 0.13 of 1%. But my goodness me, if you've been involved in this stock, what a ride you've had. Uh, right down to the lows that we saw in uh, mid to late March, as you can see from that screen there. The low was around about 14 Swissy. They pretty much well, put about 40% odd percent back on the shares since then as well. So let's have a look what ABB is saying. Uh, They have talked today extensively about their share buyback program. You know the story on this one if you've been following. They sold uh, the Power Grids unit, and as such, a lot of the the funds from that uh, seem best spent, and again, you know that this show has its own issues with buybacks, best seen uh, buying back shares. Well, they're sticking with that following the completion of the divestment of the Power Grids business. Again, this is particularly new, some of this, uh, to Hitachi, but now they're putting some uh, meat on the bones. Uh, Corresponding maximum buyback of four. 4.2 billion Swiss francs for this program is based on the share price based on July 21st, 2020. Um, Buyback program for capital reduction purposes will be executed on the second trading line on the Six Exchange. Isn't that extraordinary? And you know what, I've really got some questions for the company here. Uh, So thankfully, we'll be speaking to the CEO Bjorn Rosengren on a first on CNBC interview at 7.45 CET, uh, I should add. Um, is that the best thing you can do with your money in this current environment? Think about it. You've got the world having this extraordinary time when people are focusing on all kinds of new issues, but the best thing you can do with your money uh, is to buy back your shares. I don't know. What do you think ladies and gentlemen? Tell us tell us what you think on this one. Very interesting world we live in as well. Right, Bell shares again another one who's had a very similar ride actually. If you put the chart of Bell up against ABB, you see a very similar pattern. Lows in late March again. The low was 45. Um, Euros, it's now almost doubled that, back up to 84.40. Still down for the year, though, 6.8% as well. Uh, But what a ride you've had in this paints group as well. Uh, Second quarter results, so strong focus on margin and cost savings in response to COVID-19 headwinds. Of course, uh, it's paints and coatings, I should remind you in case you... uh, you aren't aware, raw material costs are expected to have a favourable impact on the second half of 2020. Leverage ratio, one to two times net debt EBITDA by the end of 2020. And commits to retain a strong investment grade rating. Uh, rigorous cash management, and strong balance sheet, putting us in a sound position with the ongoing uncertainty from COVID-19. As we strive to deliver powerful performance. But I mean, really tough to deliver a powerful performance for uh, Thierry Van Lanker and the team there over. When you think about it, yes, I know a lot of you during lockdown. Well, what did you do? Apparently, according to yesterday, you drank. Uh, uh, brandy. Uh, you ate a lot of snacks, but you also uh, did a lot of home improvements. So I'd imagine decorative paints wasn't too bad, but let's face it, wasn't a lot of home building going on at the peak of the crisis. But it is, uh, of course, as we've talked about with the lumber price stateside uh, beginning to pick up quite aggressively. But is that enough for their industrial side of their business on coatings? I don't know. And there you go. ABB versus Axe and As I said, a very, very similar chart. So thank you, team, for putting that one together. If only we were speaking to the CEO. We are. You see, we are. That's what we've got covered ABB and Nobel. So we've got the CEO uh, speaking to us Thierry Van Lenker, 810 CET. It's going to be a very mixed set, di- um, division by division, I'd imagine, on those numbers. Right, let's get to our top stories. More than 1,000 people died from coronavirus in the United States yesterday for a first time in over a month. This has Texas and Florida posted record fatalities in the last six out of seven days. The CDC has warned that the true number of people infected is likely 10 times higher than reported in some regions. U.S. President Donald Trump held his first briefing on the coronavirus since April. Uh, where he admitted the uh, crisis would deepen and urged Americans to wear masks. That's a serious shift from his tone from previous statements, where he downplayed the magnitude of the pandemic. The U.S. leader offered this grim warning. It will probably, unfortunately, get worse before it gets better. Something I don't like saying about things, but that's the way it is. It's the way it's what we have. You look over the world. It's all over the world and it tends to do that. U.S. senators are racing against the clock to secure fresh coronavirus relief as unemployment benefits expire this week, leaving over 20 million Americans with a halved weekly income. Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said he will introduce a bill worth uh, expected $1 trillion in the next few days. Yet Republicans and Democrats remain divided over the size of the fund, the extension of benefits and school budgets. Mr McConnell has backed new direct payments to families, signalling a potential compromise with Democrats, yet insisted several demands remain non-negotiable.
1: If you're looking for a theme,
0: I won't put a bill on the floor that doesn't have liability protection in it. Don't mischaracterize what this is about. This is not
1: just for businesses. For hospitals, doctors, nurses... Yes, businesses, but also
0: colleges, universities, K through 12. In fact, everybody trying to grapple with this new disease that we didn't fully understand. Uh, Pushing back the speaker, Nancy Pelosi, insisted the Republicans one trillion dollar package was simply not enough.
1: What we're saying for state and local around 900 billion dollars It's less than one half of what they were willing to put into their tax cut uh, for the wealthiest people in our country. 83% of the benefits going to the top 1%. So when they say they don't want to spend more money, it's like, what? What? We're talking about the health, we're talking about the lives, the livelihood, and the life of our democracy.
0: Now, very interesting. I was looking at my headline and working out whether my top headline about US markets retreating was accurate enough for you. But of course, because it, it is, it, because in tone, we did come off from our highs in session as well. But what you've got to remember is uh, most US indices were in positive territory. So again, I, I do wonder whether sometimes we're spending too much time looking at five stocks, five stocks which dominate the Nasdaq, five stocks, five stocks which dominate the S&P 500. You think that's too much, don't you? There's 495 other stocks out there I can hear you saying as well. But let's take a look at some of these key stocks and where they're moving as well. Because here's a stat for you, which I pulled up this morning. Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, yeah? You know these guys, yeah? Fangs, Alphabet being a G, right? Uh, 23% of the market cap of the S&P 500. Five stocks, 23%. Call it a quarter, shall we? Call it a quarter. A fifth at least, a quarter of the US market cap. That's how dominant they are now. And that's why we spend a lot of time on them as well. But when they go down, of course, then, of course, that's going to skew the look on the S&P. And it's skewing everything we look at now as well. I was looking at Robin Hood uh, and where the investors are in that one. Yeah. This is where it's at, ladies and gentlemen. This is what you've decided uh, is where you want to put your short-term money. Whether you put your longer-term money there as well remains to be seen, as well. But uh, a little bit of a retreat from some of these yesterday. Uh, Amazon down as well. So when we see a retreat of the Nasdaq of 87 points, it skews everything you look at, doesn't it? it doesn't matter the fact that the Dow was up 166 points. It doesn't seem to matter that the S&P is up for the year. Only a tiny bit, less than a percent, but it's up for the year that the Russell 2K rallied 1.3% yesterday. So we're seeing the vicious rotation. I've said it to you before and I'll say it to you again. There is a vicious rotation going on. It's not on a week by week basis. not on a month by month. It's happening every day. Look at energy, for instance. Energy led. We don't see that very often. Let's face it. Energy is still in dire straits. It's off 38% from its 52 week high. Energy is down 38%. But when Chevron rallies aggressively like it did yesterday, look at this. How many points do you think that was worth on the Dow? Do you know? Yeah, not a bad guess. 42. 42 points on the Dow. Chevron on its own. Plus your Exxon as well. So really big, aggressive rally. It looked like a breakout on oil yesterday, didn't it? It looked like a bit of a break. Whether that remains to be seen, I don't know. It's come off from its highs. It looked like not only did it knock through 44 bucks, which is the highest level uh, since pre-pandemic, it looked like it was having an assault on 45. Sorry, America, you're talking about WTI. I'm talking about Brent, just so you know. Okay, just got your Brent's the global benchmark. Don't tell anyone, it's not WTI. But anyway, they're both very important. So, anyway, they were both rallying quite aggressively yesterday. So, it stormed through 44 bucks, looked like it was having an assault on 45. Now back down, uh, teasing above 44 as well. But very interesting moves in that. And I was looking at some hedge fund data as well in the oil market, and they're on the side. They're like, we don't know. It's got to that 43, 45 bucks that a lot of people, like uh, Morgan Stanley and others, thought it would get to. Now they're just kind of sitting on the sidelines, waiting to see what happens. The short term bad news about coronavirus infections is global. It's not just a U.S. story, but medium term. Are we getting excited about these drug companies? We saw, of course, a lot of executives from the pharmaceutical companies who have got drugs in development, vaccines that look quite promising, uh, going before uh, leaders in in the states yesterday, political leaders as well. Uh, Wasn't it amazing? Did you see our interview with Vasnara Seaman yesterday? Yeah, that's most of you. But if you didn't, it's on .com. Okay? Most of you saw it. But he was amazing because he said pre- previously, we think it's going to take two years to get a vaccine. Now he said, I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to be making those predictions again. But you've got to listen to that guy because he was right about our need to prepare for uh, pandemics before this happened as well. And they're not even in vaccines, So he's not even got a, a, a stake in this game, so to speak, as well. Right. In the meantime, we saw this on Gold and Silver. Gold and silver continuing their rally, 1855, spot silver. Now, industrial uses for silver plus, of course, the safety value on this one. Gold doesn't have those industrial uses. But very interesting, on the day when we agreed a trillion euro deal for the seven-year budget and the day when we agreed 750 billion euros, uh, worth of uh, funding uh, for the recovery plan in Europe. People are getting very excited about the European bond issuance market now. Oh, it gives us another place to put our money, albeit at negative yields seven years out and beyond. But still, people are worried about fiat currencies, and as such, they're piling back into gold. 1856. So, ahead on this show, the US Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, blasts Beijing uh, bullying and calls for a coalition of nations to stand up to China. And for more on President Trump's change in tone as coronavirus cases continue to rise, check out the Squawk Box podcast. I've seen a shot of London this morning. Look at this. It is absolutely stunning. That is the view from my office looking east of London to the magnificent St Paul's Cathedral on the right-hand side. Of interesting numbers hidden, while well. this is why I'm late to the wall because I was looking at Japanese crude steel output uh, year to date down 36%. OK, let's have a look. What's the Nikkei doing today? Down 132 points, 6 tenths of 1% easier. The Hang Seng over in Hong Kong, 3 tenths of 1% easier, 2 tenths, actually. Uh, Shanghai Composite, moving in the opposite direction, tends to do that a little bit at the moment, actually, on both sides of the ledger. Not quite sure why, but 1.2% higher for the Shanghai and the ASX 200. Again, very interesting. That very, If you think you're more optimistic on the Chinese economy, very often you'll be more excited about the resource story out of Australia and vice versa with your pessimism. But they don't seem to be trading uh, in tandem at the moment. Again, Country-specific issues predominate, but we are down 1.4% on the ASX 200. Opening calls for European markets. Oh, did you see this? Very interesting. I mean, I've got to stop. I've got to start spending some more time with my family rather than looking at these markets. But but yesterday afternoon, very interesting. The, 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 the DAX out of the gates very aggressively. The CAC was out of the gates very aggressively, although it lost a bit of steam later on as well. FTSE can't catch a bit at the moment. Now, I'm going to give some credit the UK stocks are saying, well, having a 127 handle uh, on the pound on cable may have dented a little bit of the appetite for British stocks as well, because, of course, that inverse relationship with the dollar earners. But even so, it was a laggard performance. Barely, man. I think it was eight points up by the end of it. Oh, do you want to hear the moves uh, on uh, the British market compared with the German market since Brexit? I already mentioned Brexit because I, I kind of have to hunt for news on it these days. It's not splattered across my, uh, the Times or the Independent or the Sun. It's not splatted It was splattered across the Telegraph, though, and they don't look very optimistic on this week's negotiations. Uh, the really downplaying hopes of a deal. Now, I don't know if that's a bit of gamesmanship as well, but saying, yeah, there might be something for limited that can be done by the autumn. But in terms of an all-encompassing deal... Well, the stuff I found in the last 24 hours was very But Anyway, I, I, I digress. You wanted to look at the, uh, oh, it wasn't you, it was me. You wanted the the Brexit figures, yeah? The numbers since Brexit. When was Brexit? Can you remember? I do. 24th of, yes, well done, director. Well done, Rod. Gosh, you, your memory's not too bad, despite your grey cells diminishing. 24th, uh, he's as old as me. 24th of June, 2016, right? So four and a bit years ago. What do you think? Okay, without invested dividends and in local currency, those are my caveats, okay? Okay. What do you think the FTSE's done versus the DAX since Brexit in local currency, um, without invested dividends? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, okay. So the DAX is up twenty-eight point four percent. The FTSE is down one percent. Wow, a lot. No, no, not interested. 29% outfall? No, all right, okay, I'll carry on then. Uh, President Trump says the US could work with China on a coronavirus vaccine. This despite growing tensions between the two countries. The US leader explained he would be, quote, willing to work with anybody that's going to get us a good result, despite continuing to criticize Beijing's response. The US is on the cusp of losing digital dominance to China, according to a new Senate report. The the analysis commissioned by Democratic Senator Bob Menendez accuses Beijing of digital authoritarianism and says the country will rewrite the rules of the Internet unless stopped. The report recommends a coalition of countries is formed to counteract Chinese influence. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has also called for a global coalition to push back against China, whilst blasting Beijing's response to the outbreak. Well, Sam joins us now. Sam, the China bashing, rightly or wrongly, and I'm not going to go there on this one, seems to be picking up ahead of steam. Mr Pompeo in the United Kingdom uh, calling for a coalition of interests as well. Do we know how the Chinese are reacting to this?
2: absolutely right, Steve. I mean, U.S. Secretary of State uh, Mike Pompeo certainly used this trip to the U.K. to send a very clear message uh, to Beijing about wanting to tackle its so-called aggression. Of course, we have uh, seen the U.K. uh, really following in Washington's footsteps lately, toughening its stance on Beijing uh, from everything from Hong Kong to Huawei. And so I certainly think the timing of Pompeo's visit is significant. He praised the uh, British government's U-turn decision on banning Huawei from its 5G network, as well as suspending that extradition uh, treaty with Hong Kong. And of course, there has been uh, mounting criticism coming from both sides as well over China's treatment of Uyghur Muslims in Xinjiang. Of course, we heard uh, Dominic Raab speaking about that earlier this week. And so, you know, with this growing distrust of China most recently over the coronavirus outbreak, uh, this trip uh, has widely been seen as the U.S. sort of using this opportunity to really uh, push for this uh, coalition to counter Beijing. And U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo uh, certainly didn't hold back when he was talking about it. Take a listen.
1: The CCP's exploitation of this disaster to further its own interests has been disgraceful. Uh, Rather than helping the world, General Secretary Xi has shown the world the party's true face. We talked about uh, how we've seen Hong Kong's freedoms crushed. We've watched the CCP bully its neighbors, militarized features in the South China Sea and instigate a deadly confrontation with India. Uh, I want to take this opportunity to uh, congratulate the British government for its principled responses to these challenges.
2: Now, in answer to your question, Steve, you know, Beijing has repeatedly warned other countries, in particular the United States, to stay out of its internal affairs. We're yet to hear an official response to this uh, just yet, but it will be very interesting to see how Beijing responds to this, particularly given that Chinese state media earlier in the week warned that if the UK chooses uh, to follow in Washington's footsteps and continues to worsen uh, relations with China, uh, it could have broader economic impacts, it says, adding that Chinese investments uh, may be inclined to flow into other European countries. Now, in the latest, the US has actually indicted uh, two Chinese nationals over their involvement in what it says was a hacking campaign of intellectual property uh, and confidential business information, including COVID-19 research. So this indictment alleges that they worked for the Chinese uh, government's Ministry of State Security and that this campaign lasted uh, for over 10 years in Countries, including the United States, Australia, Germany, Japan uh, and the UK and actually in a statement the assistant attorney general for national security said that China has now taken its place alongside Russia, Iran and North Korea in that shameful club of nations that provide a safe haven for cyber criminals in exchange for being on call to work for the benefit of the state. And of course that comes amid a broader crackdown by the US on Chinese cyber espionage. Uh, Beijing has repeatedly denied that it hacks the United States so this is certainly expected to further heighten tensions um, but you know as far as the markets are concerned they seem to be shrugging all off, off a lot of this geopolitical tension uh, we've got the Shenzhen Composite up around 1.6 uh, percent the Shanghai composite also were uh, edging higher we've seen the blue chip uh, index climbing more than 2% this morning shares in China's uh, major gold miners have actually been jumping today as prices hit a nine-year high and we've also seen a lot of strength coming through. um, From the healthcare stocks, the sub-index surging over 2% this morning amid uh, rising hopes of a COVID-19 vaccine. And of course, news that we're seeing of some promising uh, studies. Of course, today marks uh, one year uh, of the uh, Shanghai, uh, the very tech-heavy Nasdaq-style starboard. Um, So just to run you through a few uh, highlights, uh, it started trading a year ago. And since then, it's seen 130 companies listed on the market. As of last week, a total value of 2.4 trillion yuan. So it's certainly looks like a very hot destination to list. But back to you, Steve. All
0: right, great. Thank you, Sam. Covered a lot of ground there. Much appreciated. So, what do you reckon Deutsche Bank have rallied this year, everybody? Off its lows. Sorry, hasn't rallied, is it? Yeah, okay. Well, Deutsche Bank, you know it's one of the most underrated banks in Europe. Still trades at 0.38 price to book going forward, so that's tiny. So hey, the market doesn't really like the size of its asset and balance sheet with that kind of measure. Okay, Deutsche Bank is up 23% year to date. Wow. Who'd have seen that one coming? Anyway, Deutsche Bank, perhaps Aneta did. Deutsche Bank says its second quarter results will be better than expected ahead of its fuller earnings release next week. The German lender has also signaled that its investment bank had a strong quarter. Annetta, good morning to you. How extraordinary! I like in the backdrop, by the way. I like in the new the new backdrop. Good bookshelves. the, uh, uh, my new living room. Yeah, it's, yes, lovely. it's lovely. It's lovely. But isn't that extraordinary <laughs> that people investors <laughs> <Okay. laughs> It just shows you how bad they were. That people think they're worth 23 <laughs> percent more than they were at the start of the year before we even had COVID-19. Loving the book. I can't look down the spine, though, to see what you're reading at the moment. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get a shot. There you go. I'll look over there. <laughs>
1: uh, next time. Um, I guess I think it's all relative if you look at the valuation of Deutsche Bank because they really had a very low valuation at the beginning of the year. Then there was an uptick towards the middle of February when a big hedge fund was starting to invest in the bank. The shares rose above €10 and then they went down tremendously and now up again. So it's more of a volatile session, I would say, if you look at the trading uh, of this year. But let me bring you back to perhaps the reasons of it because I think Deutsche Bank uh, is in a way benefiting from the crisis because clearly the lender got a lot of demand for loans from clients and they are earning quite a lot of money with that. It's not that they have to dish out the money to the real economy for nothing because the risk is not sitting with them. The risk to 90% sits with the state lender, KFW, uh, which is guaranteed. Guaranteeing 90% of the credit risk of those corona loans. And the reason why Deutsche Bank yesterday issued that statement is also related to corona. And it's a positive, actually, because the the corporate clients are repaying um, those loans taken out to cope with the coronavirus crisis um, faster than expected, especially towards the end of the quarter, meaning towards the end of June, when we clearly already had a lot of relief here in in, uh, in Germany when it comes to the lockdown. So I guess that's one side of the thing. But also, clearly, in general, investment banking is doing better. That's a trend we've seen already in the first quarter. So it remains to be seen how good the results will be because analysts are expecting a loss of 133 million euros. Perhaps the loss is a bit smaller and a, a profit would be a big surprise by next week. Back to you.
0: All right. Thanks very much indeed. Yeah, I got, I got my magnifying glass out. I did notice that there is the Making the European Monetary Union on your bookshelves by uh, Mario Draghi at all. Uh, Cherina Roma 74 by <laughs> Mario Draghi. I mean, it's all got essay on economic theory and applications. Mario They're all there. I can see them all. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. That's the only thing I read. Do you only time. read yeah. about monetary CFA policy. Star. You're you
0: amazing. <laughs> I like Nick Nelson. He got really embarrassed when <laughs> and Nick Nelson UBA got embarrassed I when I saw a bit of John le Carre on his bookshelf. I love John le Carre. i got them all. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.